Well, good morning. Welcome to Missio. My name is Justin, as Nate said, and I have the privilege of serving as one of the elders uh, here at Missio. Uh, before we start this morning, I just wanted to take a moment and say how grateful I am for this congregation and the opportunities I've been given uh, to serve alongside the church family here, um, especially the opportunities to partner with parents and others around youth and kids ministry. I'm uh, really so thankful uh, for this church family and looking forward to uh, serving Jesus uh, along your side uh, for the years to come. So uh, thank you. It means a lot. Anyway, as we continue our series in 1 John and how we are to have confidence in our Christian walk, uh, John is going to circle back to this idea of love for one another. Uh, so please turn with me to 1 John uh, chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 12. 1 John uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 7. This is God's word. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Now pray with me. Father, we humbly uh, come before you this morning uh, and ask that by your word and your spirit, uh, you would continue uh, to conform us into the image of your Son. Uh, sanctify us this morning. Uh, may the distractions of our hearts and minds uh, give way to what you would teach us this morning. Uh, thank you for your grace uh, in being able to gather as your people and for your grace given to us in your Son. It's in his name we pray these things. Amen. How would you define love? Is it an affectionate feeling? Is it a verb, an action? Is it tough or affirming? Love means many different things to many different people, and we use the word so often it can quickly become convoluted. Here's an example. You might ask me, Justin, do you love your wife? And I would say, yes, I do love my wife. You might also ask me, Justin, do you love Syracuse basketball in March? And I would say, yes, I love Syracuse basketball in March. You might also ask me, Justin, do you love Hoffman's hot dogs in the summer? It's coming. I would say, yes, I love Hoffman's hot dogs in the summer. We hear things like love conquers all, love is love, love wins, that we need to take time to practice self-love, or according to a very different John, all you need is love, all you need is love, all you need is love, love is all you need. Hope I got that right. If love means everything, it means nothing. 
And I cannot truly love others if my understanding of love is not true. We hear and use this word so often, we have to come to the scriptures and remind ourselves how God defines love, what the Bible teaches love is, so we can feel the weight of his love for us and obey the greatest commands to love him and to love others. So, with a clean slate, let's look at what God says love is. So here in 1 John, John takes us again to this idea of love for one another, and he is going to call us to love one another yet again. In this passage, we're going to see that God is love, we're going to see how God has loved us, and finally we'll face the fact that we are to, uh, that we are to love one another. Look again at verse 7 with me. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Looking at these first couple of verses, uh, we see that the definition of love starts with the nature of God himself. God is love. Love is from God. Right? Now, this is not to say that all that God is is love, right? We see in the scriptures, uh, he is a God who is revealed as one who is just, a God who is righteous and holy, a God who is good, eternal, and unchanging. But God himself is the measure of love. God, love was in God's character long before you and I were around right? Like God was not lonely and needed to uh, create us in order to have someone to love, right? That would mean God was lacking. God is not lacking. God has always been love. But now, instead, his love is displayed by including his creation as an overflow of his perfect love displayed within the Trinity, God is under no obligation to love us, right? It is an overflow of his divine nature. God has always been love and will always be love. And love cannot exist or be defined by, uh, or be defined outside of God. So as John presents this relational test again, John calls his readers to love one another. We see that those born into the family of God will love, right? It is inevitable. This shows that we are born of him and know him. And if we look at verse 8, we see that there's a warning here too, right? A negative side to the test. John says that anyone who does not love does not know God. God is love, and we are called to love one another because God is love. How exactly has God loved us? Look at ver- again at verse 9 with me. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. If we desire to know what love truly is, right, and if God himself is love, it makes sense to look, how, to look at the God who is love and how he has loved us, how he relates to us. 
And we see here, God's love is not just a hypothetical, imaginative love, right? A love that looks good on paper and nothing more, right? My love for my wife is not just the marriage certificate that would not go over well if I just kept referring to that as my love for her. It's a displayed love, a love made known to us, a love made manifest among us. How has God made this love known to us? Well, God has shown his love to us in more ways than we can possibly be aware of. However, God has supremely made his love known to us through his Son. In God, making his love manifest to us through his Son, we see three characteristics of love. So these three aspects of love are going to define what love is for us and how we ought to uh, start relating to the people around us. First, we see love is for the good of the other. Verse 9 says, God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. It does not matter how it makes the giver feel if it is not for the welfare of the recipient. The love with which God has loved us was for our good and has given us life, even when we were dead in sin, right? Love is for the good of others. Two, love is unconditional. Verse 10 tells us it is not because we love God that he loves us, right? It's not a transactional exchange that takes place. There are no contingencies with God's love for us. God does not love you any more or less because of how awesome or not awesome you did yesterday. God's love is unconditional. So, love is for the good of others. Love is unconditional. Third, love is costly. Verse 10 says, he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The love with which God has loved us is costly. And it costs nothing less than the life of his only son to be the payment for our sin. Love is for the good of the other. Love is unconditional. Love is costly. This is what love for others looks like. This is how God defines love for us. When you doubt God's love for you, when I doubt God's love for me, we must look at the cross and what Christ has done for us. The gospel is the good news that God loves us, right? Not because we are lovable or deserving, not because we love him, right? We're told the opposite. God loves us. God loved us first. It is because of his great mercy that he loves us. And giving of himself, he has accomplished our good. Life for those who would believe. If you have not embraced God's love for you, I ask you to embrace it in Jesus today. He sent him to lay down his life. 
And we are called to respond with faith and repentance so that we might know him and serve him. There is no greater way that you have been loved. There is no greater way. And you will find this love in no one else and in nothing else. John in his gospel, in John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. So we discovered that God is love. So we've seen the way that God has loved us. Now let's look at verses 11 through 12, and we will see our fitting response to the God who is love and who has loved us. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. If God has loved us this way, we are told now how we ought to relate to one another, right? And this ought is not uh, a suggestion or a nice thing that God is begging from us, like pretty please do this. It is a command, right? To love one another is a natural response to those who have been loved by God. It is inevitable, right? No one who's been a recipient of God's love at the cross uh, can choose to be indifferent towards uh, others around them. That uh, indifference would be the opposite of love. and It is inconsistent with the Christian life. In verse 12, John says, God's love is perfected when we love one another. Wait, what, is, what does John mean here? What is, what is he saying? Isn't God's love already perfect? What John is saying by God's love being per- perfected is, is that God's love is made complete when we love one another. By his design, it reaches its aim. So that when we love one another, it is a reflection of God's love displayed for us in Christ. And the unseen God is seen in who God abides in. Brothers and sisters, let us so love one another. Friends, God is love. God has loved us. Let us love one another. God wants us to have confidence in our Christian uh, our walk. And we are given this test of love for other brothers and sisters in Christ for that. And we are called to love one another, uh, not with the kind of love that makes us feel good, right? That's actually love of self. But with a love that seeks the good of others around us, especially at our own cost. We are called to love one another, not because others are lovable, right? Certainly we ourselves are not. We are called to love one another because God has loved us. His love defines love for us. In John 13, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another 
As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, our default is to define love as a feeling that is often conditional, right? We say we love others, but really that's, that's only when they make, you know, they make us feel a certain way uh, and they seem uh, pretty lovable. Our default is toward love of self. The gospel changes this. So how does this practically look in our lives? How does a fresh look at what the Bible says, what God says love is, change our daily interactions with others, like starting with today uh, at lunch? Well, to love like this seems impossible, and we fail daily to love others like this. But be encouraged. What God has commanded, he will equip us for. And yes, we are given a command to love one another. Yes, we are given the greatest example of what love actually is. But we are not just given a command. And we are not just given an example. In Christ, by the way that we have been loved, we are given the very means by which we are able to love one another. How do we love and serve one another when needs come up in our missional community? Do we seek the good of others around us, even if they're a little annoying or it's really inconvenient and there's nothing in it for us? How do we love our spouse when they are hurting us and not treating us the way we think we deserve to be? Is it based on how they are making us feel? If, if they would only start doing this or stop doing this, surely they would be easier to love? Is our love for our spouse conditional? When we've been wronged by another believer, do we assume the worst of them and sit in bitterness? Or do we offer the benefit of the doubt and quickly seek to forgive them and even ask for forgiveness? A forgiveness that costs us something, but that would lead to reconciliation. Do we speak difficult, hard truths in love when we need to? Or do we passively appease others by affirming their choices no matter what they are? Because honestly, it's easier, it's easier and we care more about what they think than what is good for them and what is true. So, brothers and sisters, let us love one another. Let our love be good for others. Let our love for one another be unconditional. Let our love one another be costly. As we leave here today, may we never truly say we love one another if it is not consistent with the nature of God and how he has loved us through his son. You see, we live in a world that is completely confused on what love actually is, who it is from, and how it is shown. May we love one another in such a way that God's love is perfected in us. 
and the unseen God is seen among us and among our neighbors. Pray with me. Father, we praise you that you are love, that you have revealed yourself as a God of love. We are grateful that you have shown us your love to us through your Son, even while we were still sinners. We ask that you would give us your grace to love one another with this kind of love, a love that is for others good, that is unconditional and costly, that you would be seen and praised in this world. We pray that as we leave here today with renewed eyes of your love for us, uh, that we would love one another like this. We love you. Help us to love you more. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Man, let's stand and respond.